Good to have you all this morning, this evening. If you're in Congo, it is morning time, so that is technically true. Uh, as you can tell, the coffee has not hit my brain yet. It may never hit my brain. It may not be anything up there to hit. So uh, we're going to, I got as much coffee and prayer in me as we possibly can. We'll try to go with what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart, as uh, well as he has laid this message on many other preachers' hearts. Uh, all the way up into including the original preacher who preached this, and uh, hopefully it'll be a help to us tonight. Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church, this building, this place. Uh, More importantly, Lord, the the spiritual church here that we have and these people that have showed up tonight. Uh, Lord, uh, the the body of Christ that we have here, uh, we pray that you would help this uh, message, Lord, that is... uh, Got to be preached as we open your word tonight. That it'd be a help to somebody in here who needs to hear it, uh, Lord. Oftentimes, uh, preachers can design messages or or outline messages, I should say, uh, with the intent of hitting certain points, and you'll use those messages in an entirely different way. And Lord, I pray that if that be the case, you would do that tonight. Uh, whatever the words that are spoken tonight, I just pray that they would be a help to somebody in whatever way you would see fit uh, for them to be used, Lord. And we ask all these things in your name, Amen. All right, if you could, turn to Jeremiah chapter number 18. This is a very common passage. Uh, Most of you already could tell me off the top of my head what the subject matter is going to be. The first couple verses here uh, are on the potter's house. Uh, This is the prophet Jeremiah. Here he is getting called by the Lord to go uh, down to the potter's house where he is going to get some, uh, some additional words from the Lord. And uh, there's a lot of things here that I think we can get uh, as we sit down and study this potter's house, the potter, the clay, all these different components here uh, that make up these first ten verses. And if you want to go ahead and stand, we'll read, and then we'll get going here. Try to be shorter tonight, uh, being that it is a prayer service night. The Bible says, uh, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, notice there's two different sets of words here saying, Arise and go, to the, or go down, every word in the Bible is important, uh, down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house. Obedience is important. Sometimes uh, he tells you to do something, and you don't do it. He's not going to tell you everything else that you needed to hear if you otherwise would have obeyed. And behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemeth good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Say uh, the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. And uh, we'll stop there. I may not get to the other uh, three following verses or four following verses, but uh, we'll go ahead and just stop there. Brother Tim, could you go ahead and pray again tonight? All right, many things said there that I agree with and that I like appreciate hearing, uh, being filled up, being uh, uh, you know getting something poured out. 
Uh, those are all things that are going to tie into the message tonight. This is one of those messages that's kind of few and far between for me. I got the inkling when I was out today uh, to go to the store and buy some stuff. I usually, I love illustrations. I really do. I love illustrations. Uh, they're good for you. Just like this entire passage here, in fact, is an illustration. Uh, what the Lord told Jeremiah to do was, I want you to go down somewhere where you're going to see something. I'm not going to speak the words. I could, I'm God. I could tell you everything that you need to know, but I'm, I want you, by way of illustration, to go to a specific place because the things I'm going to say there are going to make more sense when you're looking around at what you're going to look at while you're there. Can we not agree that the Lord uses illustrations? Amen. Amen. So therefore, I'm going to try to use an illustration. May not be the best illustration in the world. You say, Andrew, what are you doing with all this random stuff up here? Uh, I was thinking about the Potter's House. I, I often do. It's something I think about a couple times. You know, like what Brother Tim said, you pray that God would fill me up. I got receipts all over the place here. That God would fill the preacher up. That God would fill me up. That God would pour something out of one of us who was filled up onto somebody else. That God would pour out his blessings. Those are all kinds of things that tie with you having to have something like this, correct? You can't pour anything out unless you got something that holds something to be dumped out. All right? So right here, I kind of, you know, I was like, I can't remember. I couldn't remember what this, how big this was. I envisioned this being a little bit wider, and I had more space, and I was going to put it all there. So anyway, I'm going to just kind of put the progression here of what Jeremiah saw. Stay there, please. When he went to the potter's house. So can we agree that when the Lord told him to go to the potter's house that ultimately the reason that potter's house was there is because somebody needed one of those things over there. All right. Can we also not agree that when he got to the potter's house, he probably saw in some way, shape, and form this and possibly this. Right, probably, you know, we think of clay, we always think of this, you know, that we got this Americanized version of everything. I mean, like, when you think of clay, this is what, this is what Jeremiah was thinking of. All right, when the Lord said, go down to the, the potter's house, I mean, right out back with the potter's house, there was one of these things, a clay pit or whatever, and there was a bin, there was another vessel that was used, and they would take the clay, they would go find it out of, uh, like I got it out of Dad's Creek. It's probably a minnow or a crawdad or something in there. A leech, uh, salamander. So, they would go get a bunch of clay, and they would, they would take, you know, and it's not 100% clay, right? It's not perfect clay. Right. It's never going to be perfect clay. It's not that. I mean, this doesn't just happen in nature. It's natural. Believe it or not, the box says that's natural clay. All right, this is natural clay. You know, whoever sold that lie lied to me, this is not natural clay. This is what natural clay looks like in its native state. So we haven't, we haven't talked about the potter's house yet. We're not talking about the potter yet. I want to focus a little bit on the clay, and when I say clay, I'm, I am referring to us. Because ultimately, the Lord is taking what he dug out of wherever he found it, and the end goal, Christian, is for you to be that. That's the end goal right there. So the question is, what, how in the world does the Lord turn this into this? How does he do that? And if you don't know the answer to that, you are going to sit like this for a very, very long time in church. All right? <clears throat> because you can't, 
you can't get that until that's been transformed into that. All right, so there's, there's a, there's a, uh, a kind of the introduction here is that he shows up. He, we kind of see the story show up in the middle uh, of the process here. Like I said, uh, we're looking at it as an Americanized version here. Jeremiah very likely saw every bit and piece of everything in the entire process. And he was very well acquainted with it. Everything that they, uh, they used to drink, to transport, to store, everything involved pots. You had to have pots. Matter of fact, back in the day, uh, the Greeks of all people happened to uh, do such a good job of making pots, and they were such a simple thing, and no one wanted to steal a pot when you raided somebody. So usually the things that survive through time are pots. Things like pots and clay and pottery. So it was very important back in the day for somebody to have a, the skills to make pots so that way the entire operation of everything going on, the granaries could function. The, uh, the, you could go get water. We think of stories in the Bible. The woman at the well. Can't have no story of the woman at the well unless somebody's got a pot. Unless somebody's making a pot. How about uh, Elish, I believe it's Elijah. And that woman, the handful of meal, and, and, and the stories of the, the, uh, the oil that were full, and they were dumped into pots, different vessels. So something that is often a backdrop of many of these other stories in the Bible is actually a very important thing that is now being focused in on here. The creation and the, the making of pots and the purpose of pots, and, and not just pots as in the physical pot, but he's talking about an illustration of us and how the Lord's taking something right here and transforming it into something over here, and then beyond that, going to do something, hopefully, with that over there, that can, as often as the case, go back to digging up more of that and being part of the process for refining that. We look in that right there. That is, in fact, contained in a vessel, is it not? That is contained in a vessel. Okay, a couple, couple quick points. Now that I just kind of like got the really raw version of uh, what's going on here at the potter's house. First thing I want you to, to realize that you already realized, for some reason we say realize, like you don't already realize the things that you, you're about to be told. Half the time you're like, I realize it better than you do. So when I went down to Dad's, when I went down to Dad's uh, little creek thingy there, I guess it's, it's more like a collection of a few isolated puddles and some gravel and things like that, I went down to the original native state, or we shall call it the standing of the clay. Where it was originally, uh, when I decided that I wanted to uh, do something, I wanted to make something out of pot, uh, out of clay, I, I got the inkling. I said, you know what, I'm going to go down to the river here. And this is how they actually did it a couple hundred years ago, uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And I went down and I found the clay in its native state. And what was going on in that native state? You ever think about what it's like being the clay in the native state? Some of you all got some really good stories of what your native state was when God found you. You know what clay is? You know what it's used for? You know what, you know what it looks like? What the things that inhabit it when it's down there at the bottom of that muck and mire? You ever think about that? Sometimes, you know, the ideal goal is that... Uh, this type of environment here allows this to be produced much quicker in the younger kids so they don't have a lot of this that they have to deal with. 
But for the ones that are kind of like, you know, I don't have tons and tons of junk on me. Maybe I was raised in church or whatever. You may have, you're kind of like a transition maybe between here and here. Uh, at all, all of us, when God found us, we all looked like that. I got a really good illustration for, you know, what it talks about over there in the, uh, the passage. It talks about all your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And it's, it's really, it's two things there. Because it says righteousness, and righteousness is a good and right thing. But it's mixed in. It's tainted. You know, there is clay in there. The same type of clay that you would use to make out of that, the exact same elemental clay is in here, right around there, I'd say. The difference between this and that and this is this, this all the good in here, is mixed in with all kinds of other trash that makes the entire thing unusable. So people say, I'm going to work my way to heaven. How are you going to work your way to heaven? You're going to work your way to heaven about as easily as that clay is going to be worked without anything else being done to it into that cup over there. It's an impossibility. You can't do that. There are things that have to happen to this to turn it into this and then by proxy into that. It's a perfect illustration. All your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So there's good. Yeah, there's good stuff that you have, but it's attached and blended with so much other evil that God cannot accept it in the state it's in. Christian, God will, he will allow you. We often hear this in the jails. I hear this in passing. I talk to especially teenagers and younger adults and people that really, you know, out in the workforce, they're trying to figure out a career. They got a thousand different things going on and God's one of them. And, you know, I want to get to heaven someday, but it's like just one, it's a jumbled in the mix of things of importance to me. And, and I really don't know anything about God. So it's just like, you know, I'm a good person. That's kind of like the first thing you say. That's like the, my step towards God. You know, I'm going to make a step over here. I'm going to get a college degree. I'm going to go, go through high school first. And that's kind of my step towards college and then my step to some career. And, you know, like my first step towards God is like I'm just trying to be a good person, right? That's kind of how we progress. You know, maybe I'll do, good, do this and I'll get... Uh, good to a certain point, and then maybe I'll, you know, there's a Buddhist guy down the street, and I, he's a really, really good person, so, you know, and you kind of progress that way. That's how the mind works usually um, for many people. If you are in this state, in the place where it was originally at, you will never, ever be this. For this to be turned into this, it must be extracted from its native habitation. It does not matter, Christian, how bad your native habitation was. It was all run by the same exact being. In your habitation, you may have been lucky and up on the banks and you weren't exposed to the weather and the water and the, the this or the that. And you didn't have tree roots. There were a lot of tree roots in there. Uh, you weren't exposed to maybe as many things, but you're still in the same riverbed. You're still in the same marsh, and that marsh is, in fact, owned by Satan. It is, you are a child of the devil. He controls everything there. You are ultimately a slave and a servant to him. And unless the Lord comes out in the form of this potter or one of his apprentices, who the potter presides over and sends, to reach down and pick you out of that, you have no prayer of ever being turned into any one of those. 
So the first thing that has to happen, this is just basic salvation 101, is, and the other thing that's kind of amazing about this is God talks about his sovereignty. It's one of the elements of this is God's sovereignty and how God is able. He's saying, hey, listen, when I want to, I can do this. I can pull a nation up. I can cast it down. I can build it up. I can pluck it. I can plant. I can do whatever I want. That's me, God. I can do whatever in the world I want to do. But there's always that side where that clay. It's like, hey, you're in my hands. I can do whatever I want to do. But the question is, does the clay want to be in the hands of the potter? Does the clay want to come out of the ground where it is and that muck and mire sunk 10 or 15 feet under the water there with crawdads crushing it down and, and snakes? You know what makes the best snake holes? Clay. Same stuff that is used to make a pot or a cup that Andrew really enjoys his beautiful cup of coffee every morning. You know very well at some point that the stuff that made that pot or that cup could have been the habitation of a snake. Crazy to think about the transformations that occur in the Bible sometimes. Well, you're not the best looking pot. A lot better than where I started. I was filled with all kinds of evil things, with all kinds of evil creatures, with all, which, all kinds of just nasty stuff. And man, I'll tell you what, you may not be something that's beautiful and glazed like that just yet. Maybe God's just spending his time and he's really just kind of working out the shape because the way I look at this story, it's not like you just get saved and you get turned into a pot. And he's, There's a long, long process to get from there to there. Oh, man, that's, that's what a lot of people, when, you, when we think of it in our terms, and we're not thinking of it, man, Jeremiah walking around, this takes a lot of work, Christian, to get to this. This is what gets put on the wheel. Not this. So outside the potter's house, they would have... They would have a vat or a bucket or whatever the potter had, some container. This is another good illustration here. A couple of different reasons I have this like this, and I didn't empty the water all the way out. What they would do is they would start dumping water. They would mix it up, stir it up, add water, rinse it off. And they would start, they'd put his, they'd, he would put his hands in there, start mixing it up or a stirring device or whatever. The goal is to agitate it and mix it and blend it up so that way the stuff that's not clay starts to separate from the stuff that is clay. Because as you'll see, if I could take this through here, and again, this is one of those illustrative messages, there's different layers. The clay, the actual clay layer, you can see it now, it's been sitting about two or three hours, is right there. Everything there is garbage, and all this up here is of no use to me. You know what? You know what separates that all out? You know what gets in there amongst all the different particles and loosens it up so it can actually be settled like this? Settled's a good word. That's an important word. You know what helps to settle you? The water. You know what the water is? I'm sitting up there. So we add water. It breaks things up, settles things, drops things beneath 
that belong there to be removed, or as often as the case, we'll just skim the stuff we want off the top and take it into another vessel. If you just do nothing but put water in and you don't let that water flow through, this will get just as nasty as the place where this came from. So there we have another illustration. Christian, you can dump all the Bible in your life you want, and you'll just keep filling this up and up and up and up. There's your example. A Christian full of the Bible knows everything in the world about the Bible but ain't doing nothing with it or not willing to be changed to the next step. I know plenty of Christians that got all the Bible, they know all kinds of stuff, and they're just as stagnant as that water is right there. Not saying you don't need the Bible. You need a lot of it. Way more than what's in here. But it's got to be able to flow. Just like the river itself, if this does not have a place to flow to wash out the stuff that doesn't belong, as you pull off the stuff that does, if it just sits and builds, it's a mini marsh. It's, it's muck. It's nasty. All right, so that, again, just letting the illustration kind of speak for itself there. First thing um, that happened when I filled this up, this is a very non-traditional message, I understand that, is there was a lot of junk that floated to the top. You, when you got saved, were there things that just came off real easy? Like the big, you know, Dad talks about smoking when he was on the ship. You know, for Dad, smoking may be one of these big chunks of bark. For you, it may be something that's very, very close to the rest of that, just a, a particle that's very similar, very just tightly bound to that. See, everything that you have in your little bit of the clay that God pulled you out of, the problems and the things that you deal with are different clay to clay to clay to clay. So, while I don't smoke, okay, well, for you, this may be McDonald's. This may be your bad attitude. This may be wrong music. This may be the fact that you just don't care about anything that God has for you. It's some sin, some problem, something that can never... You know, every time I've been in a store where they sell these, I've never seen a stick sticking out the side of one of these. Not a single time. There's a couple, like, really obvious things I'm going to say tonight here in the next couple minutes, and you're like, man, you know, now I think about it. Somebody bothered to get this stuff out before they made this. And so if the potter, who is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, if the potter has, you know, a lot of times people talk about the potter's house, the potter is ultimately the one here we need to focus on. Because the potter is the one who decided, you know what? I see a need over here where there's some vessels that need to be created for all these purposes over here because the purpose exists, the problem exists over here that the, the vessel, the purpose of the vessel is going to solve. So I see that. So how do we get this thing over here solved? Which ultimately is, I want honor and glory and I, oh man, you know, I create some stuff for my pleasure. And I want more pleasure. You ever think about God? He's just up in heaven someday before creation and all that stuff. And he just decides, you know what? This is great and everything, but I just want a little bit more pleasure for myself. 
That is pre-Genesis. And God says, oh, you know what? I'm going to do all this stuff. I want to create pleasure. The devil comes in, messes everything up. Now we go from having all these nice, clean vessels, Adam and Eve, to a bunch of muck. So God comes in and he says, you know what? Still goal over here is pleasure. What are we going to do about this? And you know what? Hey, I'll just build me a potter's house. Because that's about the only way we can get that over there to be in something over here that bring, brings me pleasure. And the potter's house was designed by the potter to ultimately solve the problem way over here that he has, which is I need some way of getting this clay over here into a vessel that I can then use and be proud of. So it's the potter. My question tonight, here's the question. How, what is your relationship between you and your potter. I'd hope most of us in here, most of us can say, there was a time when I was in that muck and mire and I cried out, God, would you save me? And the potter was at that point. He was right above there and it was an immediate thing. He dragged, he shooed the snake off, got the crawdad out of the way, lifted up the rock that you were under, swished off the moss, grabbed everything that entailed your entire life, and he put it in a bucket like that, and he bought all of it. 100%. He bought everything that was in that thing right there. He didn't just take the good parts. He bought all of you, the nastiness and everything, knowing what you were. That's, that, that, that part is about you know, these people that say, well, you just come as you are. That part is correct. Come as you are, and, and every one of us came like that. But God does not expect you to remain as you are. Here's the problem. Here's where they get all crazy. Come as you are and stay like that, and God's saying, I want pots. And you're like, well, no, just stay as you are. Just stay as you are. Just stay as you are. The simple example just blows that idea out of the water. How are you going to tell somebody to stay in church and stay as you are when God's saying that's what you look like when you walk in the door and I got a way, I got, I got this house here, that, this place that I can transform you and turn you into that right there and what kind of fool would say just stay as you are? What kind of fool would tell you to stay like that? I don't want to stay like that. Man, I know how stinky I am sometimes. I don't know. I know, some, I know what some of this is in Andrew Elliott's life. I know what it is. I, I, I don't want... To be like this. Why? Because you can't use this right here as a vessel. So we go to step two. God, would you clean, would you start to clean and fix this right here and turn it, get it, get it to the next step. Get it to the next stage, Lord. I may, I'm not asking you to make me into this overnight. I just want to get from this direction this, this way. Here a little, there a little. If I was to turn this into this, it would take a lot longer than a couple minutes. I'd have to get in here with a spoon, and I'd have to get all, the, get all the rest of this junk off, and I'd have to figure out a way to strain this off. And there's a whole process for straining and refining, and you know, it's a very similar thing in the Bible when he's talking about refining uh, iron, and he's got a, you know, really the reason they refine iron, very similar process, so we'll go to that direction of that rabbit hole. The reason they refine iron and the reason they forge is not to make the, the, the metal hard, 
talked to Brother Adam Gray that just was an eye-opening thing for me. The reason they blacksmith is to get the impurities out of the iron so then they actually have a clean piece of iron to then forge. The heavy hitting that you see in a blacksmith shop is a cleaning process. 99% of it. There's some straightening and bending and all that other stuff, some finished work, but he's like, I buy all my metal. He's like, I get, get all my metal. I, I don't have to forge anything. I grind it. Why? Because somebody's already done the job of purifying the metal. There's no reason for me to blacksmith on it. It's already been pure. If, I, if I'm hammering, I'm not, sol- I'm not doing anything. I'm, just, I'm, messing up, I'm messing up the work that somebody else did. So the, the purifying process here to get from this to this, God, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to take some stuff out because the little fine particle or the, the heavy particles on here are going to be problems when you go to form that. It's going to sand your hands down. You can't have these big chunks, these big rocks, these hard parts here. You need the smooth, soft clay. So now we're into the heart. How do we get all this junk that exists in the heart of man to the point where it's now created me a clean heart? This is not a pure 100%. I mean, nothing in this life, nothing that we'll see in this natural world will ever be 100% of anything. I got people that I know that deal in fine gold and diamonds and all that other stuff, and they'll go to the different purity levels, and there's literally diamonds that they call uh, flawless. There's not a, as far as their eyes concerned, but believe me, you get an electron microscope, you will find the flaws. They are there. But it's as close to pure and perfect as you're ever going to get. God, can you take what you found in the river, in the marsh, can you turn it into something that you can then work? That be your prayer, Christian. You know, there's people in here that are here. You know who you are. You know, there's sometimes when it's like, God, I'm in the potter's house, and I, and I, I'm ne- I know you're never going to take me back and drop me back off in that mud. You own me. You bought me. I'm yours forever. Whether or not I stay like this in your house for the rest of my life or whether I start letting you go through the process of refinement to get to here and I just stay like this the rest of my life, it's entirely up to you, God, but I I would like to get from here to here. And there are some people that have spent a lot of time in the Bible and they've They've gone through all the steps and the processes that exist before we even get to number three. Potter's already been working on that as Jeremiah has been going through down, 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 down. The Lord told him to do this, and the potter's, in, you know, he's already, he's getting ready to pull a piece like this out, and he's got it all nice and clean, and he spent hours and hours and hours, way, way, way more time sometimes cleaning it than actually shaping it. So we get to this point, and you've been in church for a little while. God's just, God is, you've seen, you can see the difference. Not only that, I mean, there can be a rock in here for all I know, but I'm looking at this, this is night and day difference. Looks like some work has been done. Looks like, looks like, and not only that, it was, it, it, honestly, I mean, it's, it was at the store where a professional potter goes to buy clean clay. It was in the right place. It got put in a place where it could be sold to a potter who wanted to use it to make something special. So God, how do you make me from this to this? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
five minutes here to figure this out. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Like I said, a long time from the time the clay is originally pulled out to the time it is finally sat on a wheel. So the potter sits the clay on the wheel and again adds more water. This entire process, the entire time from the time that it's pulled out to the time that it goes into the furnace, there's always water being added. You can see right here, if you could, if you could there are cracks, little cracks all the way over here because this is dehydrated. You can be a clean piece of clay if you fail to keep the water flowing on the outside. This will dry out and crack, and it will be just as useless for making this as that is over there. Two different sides to the same coin. So I take this as a potter, and there's been a couple instances where I've got to see professional potters. Most of the time, we get to see this get turned into this. You know, like I mentioned, this is something that is often not uh, mentioned here. We see it over in Psalms where he's talking about getting pulled out of the miry clay. Uh, you know, kind of an example there of that clay. But to get from that to that point, you have a potter which sits down. This is something that's very important to understand about the potter and about pottery in general. I have watched people play the piano as an art form. Uh, and, and also in church as well, most of the time in church. But as far as playing as an art form uh, in front of thousands of people, I've watched people that have the skills to play the piano and just sit there and do this and have a conversation with you and chew bubblegum at the same time and, and look away and just do everything. It's like their, their hands are literally completely detached. I've never seen a potter ever make something without his eyes being completely focused on it. 100%. When the potter sits something down on the wheels, it's not like any other art form. It is 100% of my effort as an artist or as an artisan is focused. All my sensory is focused on that one pot. So if the potter is that focused on you, if sitting in the house that he built for himself to transform the clay out there in the pit to the pots he now has over here, and there's thousands and thousands of years of pots sitting on his shelf. If he has gone to the extent of this, don't you think it's very important for this now relationship that we built between the clay that he has cleaned out and brought in here and, and kept under his roof and kept it out of the dust and kept it from... We never find that the potter in the story is a clumsy potter dropping it on the ground on accident. We find the clay is marred, but also we find that most of the time here... God says, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I've already told you how to get from here to here. You, you do this, 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 and this. Children of Israel, I'll tell you how to get in the land of Canaan. You do this, 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 and this. And if you don't, I'll take all the good that I've done over here, and I'll turn it right back on you, and I'll turn it evil, and you'll kick, kick you right back out. And that's exactly what he did. I have made the path. Why? Because I'm the potter. I, know, I have the process. I own the process. I know the process to get from there to there. I know every step in between. Do you want to go from there to my shop? Do you want to go from that jar over there where you're sitting in water that we're rinsing out? Do you want to go from there to refinement where I mash things? That Man, that's the fun part. You just sit there and mash all the little rocks out with your thumbs, and then you get all the 
just the garbage out, and most of the time we find that the vast majority of what he pulled out over there ends up bye-bye, and he has to add a lot of other stuff, and he has to buy, just add more and more and more and more and more before he can actually make something of that size. I mean, you're talking probably that much, I don't know, that much stuff I'd have to dig out and then just wash it, wash it, wash it to get something of that size. But nonetheless, we get to this point where we now are sitting here with a piece of clay, and you're on the wheel, and he starts to spin the wheel, and you are now just spinning around, and each touch, every time he touches the pot, it now touches you hundreds of times in a single area. Well, God, why are you focused on... Well, I just hear, every time I go to church, I just hear about bitterness. You know, every time I listen to Dr. Peacock for the last 10 years, he's been talking about bitterness. Well, before I learned to be bitter, <laughs> apparently there's a lot of people in church who are bitter, and he'll just sit there and he'll use his fingers and his hands and the instruments that he's created to just sit there and press. And the wheel, you know what the wheel does? It pushes you into him. Centrifugal force, right? Spin something of any mass and the mass starts to accelerate and torque and all that other fun stuff. But he's doing the exact opposite to keep you from flying off. Just enough force to keep you held together. But it says it was my, I know, we'll get to that. And he keeps the water in between his hands and you. Puts his hands in the water, touches you. Puts his hands in the water, touches you. Spin. God, my life is spinning around. Yeah, but are you on the wheel spinning around? And is the master got some water on his hands and is he touching you? Because if you're in that place, Christian, there's no better place you can be. There's no better place on this earth. Way better. While the leaks over in, in Egypt, the leaks, you know what? That's the stinking children of Israel on the wheel starting to get pressure because God's now starting to form them into something. And they're looking back saying, well, I want to be over there. I want to be over there. I didn't have to do anything hard. You're getting trampled by stinking crawdads. Anytime a crawdad wanted a house, it dug right into you and just threw you all over the place. And you didn't think about that. So we're on the wheel. You can squish and squish and squish and squish and squish. And the thousands of times it goes around it takes for that potter to get it in whatever shape he wants to get it. And then he starts putting his hand down in there and cleaning the inside out. You know what they say about pots that they found thousands of years ago is they can see the thumbprints of the original potter on the inside. That's crazy, man. And just all the different thumbprints that you have on the inside of you from that potter just opening it up and squishing it out, thinning parts of your life. Oh, my goodness, Lord, it's going to break. It's going to break. You don't, the pot doesn't get marred because the potter's a bad potter. The pot gets marred because it stops wanting to be a pot, and God says. You know, the thing about this story here that I just find interesting, it's almost like, it's almost like God's just doing his work, and the, the clay has the ability to speak to the potter. God, this hurts. This hurts bad, <laughs> real bad. Okay, shut up and take it. Okay, God, I don't want to take it anymore. I want to take it. Okay, that's the dangerous part right there. Why? Because that can come off like that, and it could be years and years and years and years before you decide to cry out, God, put your hands back on. Each one of these steps right here, there can be years and years and years and there. I've seen, I've seen and heard of Christians that go, it seems, seems like they go from there to there very quickly because 
it's just got, just like that's a Paul right there. You know, maybe three or four years out on the backside of the desert, but for all intents and purposes, there, there, maybe it wasn't as dirty. Maybe we were talking a little bit cleaner over there, but there were still some pretty big rocks that God had to pull out of Paul. But went from there to there pretty quickly. And then other Christians, it seems like that process takes 50 years of their life. But then, thank God, sometimes when it, when it clicks, clicks and it goes from that and God put me on the wheel and do whatever you got to do. I'll do anything in the world. I've already been through a divorce now. I mean, it, you know, it took a divorce and it took, uh, you know, losing everything I had and it took all this other stuff, getting a car crash, you know, cancer, whatever the case may be, you know, to like jar that from one, one state to the next. But now that I'm here, Lord, you know, you got whatever's left. Please do. You know, well, there's a lot of a lot of pot we could have made, but, you know, now we're stuck making regular pot. We'll do that, and it will still bring honor and glory, our glory to me, but I wish you would have, when I started working on you over here and when I was working on you here, I wish you would have just let me continue to work just day by day. You know, it says that, the, the what does he say about the, um, uh, the stuff just being day to day? You know, the, the sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. Yeah, there's going to be some pressure, stress. There's going to be some, uh, some pressure. There's going to be some tension. You know, the opposite of pressure. We always talk about pressure in the Christian life, but there's, there's pushing and there's pulling, and you need, you know, God does both. He allows both to happen. The devil tries to do both as well. Might I add that just in the way of passing here that the devil has a process as well, and he likes to work clay too. The devil's process is out there. And if you've been out there long enough, you understand what it's like. If you've been around people that are living in that world, that's one of the good reasons why I like the jail ministry is it's kind of an eye-opener to people that are just they are just going through the devil's process, man. Oh, they're going through the devil's process bad. But for us in here, you get to the point where you're now shaped. You get to the point where you're shaped. The wheel just designs that. The wheel doesn't design that. That's all custom fab. Everything the Lord makes in the potter's house is a custom fab creation. There is no two that will ever be alike. Put a little spout on this. Put a little top on You know, you watch Japanese makers. You know, sometimes it takes them 20, 30 years to even get certified to be able to put their stamp on the top of something. And they'll just sit there. Every little detail. Sell a cup like this for 30 grand. Why? Because that clay was just willing to sit on the wheel and to let the little knife cut the edge out. Well, I want all my clay to be used. Well, you know, I don't need all the clay. I'm glad there's this lump of clay, but how many potters do you know that take a clay thing that size and never have any left over? There's not a single potter that will ever not have things left over. There's always going to be stuff that needs to be added. There's always going to be stuff that needs to be detracted. God, I'll give you everything. Great. I can use everything you give me. Ain't going to use it all. I could. I'm not going to use it all. But how about I give you some of what I have that you don't have? And so he makes you. And you haven't been fired yet. And you decide, well, I don't want it. And you just start to, because you didn't go in the oven fast enough. You didn't want that oven step. Oh, man, you didn't want that step, the hottest step. So you've been sitting too long. Thank God that the potter has the ability to remake 
things that have crumbled. One final point before we close here. When Judas Iscariot threw the money back at the Pharisees, it says the blood money. It says that they went out and they bought the potter's field. In the old times, the potters would often have a field associated where they would throw all the broken shards. And the blood money that paid for Jesus Christ to be turned over to them, to be hung on a, hung on a cross for our sins, that blood money was used to buy a field for a bunch of broken pots. God, I'm, <laughs> I've been dropped a couple times. I've fallen off the shelf a couple times. I got some cracks in me, as has been said multiple times. You're wondering, how, well, what, how does God, you know, we've heard about the cracks in the pots and the broken vessel, and, and I'm there. And I don't, I don't want to ever forget that that entire process to get that broken vessel was paid for by the blood that you shed on Calvary. And the potter paid the ultimate price for that vessel to be used of him. I just find that amazing. Some of the things you read in your Bible a million times, and then one of these days God just lets it lets it click. Let's it click. All right. Okay. We're done. I don't know how you undo an illustration like this. I mean, this stuff's I want to open the top here.